Hi, and welcome to episode 74 of the Untethered Podcast. Today, we have Lindsay Lewin joining us. Lindsay's a mother to two tied children. She's a tethered oral tissue and airway advocate, and Lindsay embarked on her airway journey in 2014 when her oldest child was referred for early orthodontic intervention and tooth extractions by their general dentist at the age of six. It is her goal to empower parents, especially mothers, to embrace a central role of team leader in planning and managing treatment of tethered oral tissues, sleep disorder breathing, and craniofacial growth in children. Lindsay's philosophy of care planning is rooted in the belief that the intrinsic wisdom that is birthed through creation should be trusted above all else. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Real quick, if you're listening to this on September 14th, as of the date this podcast airs, you're going to want to go to feedthepeds.com backslash training to join us for our free five-day to screening your first pediatric feeding patient using our pediatric feeding screener that is also free to you. But go to feedthepeds.com backslash training so you can jump on in, join us for the free training this this week. This is the last time we'll be doing this in 2020. Not sure when we'll do it again in 2021. So definitely don't miss out. You'll also have the opportunity to win one of our scholarships. We have full and partial scholarships we are giving away to our Feed the Peds 12-week feeding course. So do not miss out. Go to feedthepeds.com backslash training and we'll see you in the group. Lindsay, I am so excited to finally have you on the podcast. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. Absolutely. So we're just going to jump right on in and talk a bit about, well, one, why, why you're on here. Like, what do you, what you're going to share with us today? Um, But let's start with you. Like, tell us a little bit about your, your backstory, your history. So, um, you know, I'm, I was one of those kids that like couldn't function in school and I was always falling asleep in class. So I have an identical twin and she was the good twin and I was the bad twin. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So, oh, you know, I did terrible in high school. And then once I got out of school and got out on my own, I went back to college and I did so well. I was just like, wow, I'm not a, I'm not a failure. I can do things. You know, I decided to go to the dental hygiene, I wanted to go into dental hygiene because I've always been obsessed with mouths. I love teeth. I love getting my teeth cleaned. There's a ton of variation, you know, it just really appealed to me. And I worked my butt off to get into dental hygiene school. I had a four-year-old and I was working two jobs and going to school full time and living on my own with my four-year-old. And it was just, I killed myself to get into this program. And once I got in, I was just so stressed out. And I did great in all of the coursework, but 
My TMJ became a huge issue. I was grinding my teeth. My jaw was locking up. I had a bunch of neuropathy in my arm. And I just, I couldn't get through all the skills things because I couldn't keep coordination Mm. to use the tools that I needed to use to do what I was trying to do. So that didn't work out very well. Right, right. So you're a straight A student, but you can't actually perform your skills. Exactly. (laughs) Failure to perform. It's like (laughs) the story of my life, you know, just can't live up to their potential. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I, around that time, I found out our, I took my child, she was six and a half then, and we had gone for her regular dental cleaning and they took a panoramic x-ray and the general dentist said, oh, her mouth is way too small. Her teeth are huge. She's never going to have room for all of her adult teeth. You need to get her into ortho now. They need to pull teeth. You're going to need braces. They're going to have to pull at least four premolars and all four wisdom teeth. Yikes. And and I just said, no, I was like, no, there has to be a better option. That's not, it's not acceptable. So I said it wasn't acceptable. Around that time, my twin sister had become... She was an IBCLC. She had just had her second baby. She found out that her child was tongue-tied and that's why she couldn't nurse the first one, was struggling with the second one. She called me one day and she was like, you know, we're tongue-tied. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Your dental arch is formed by your tongue on your palate. It's not supposed to touch any of your teeth. Well, it's up there. Yeah, that makes sense why we didn't have room for our wisdom teeth. Um, and she's like, and your daughter's tongue-tied. I was like, oh, well, yeah, we had her tonsils and adenoids out. I had her evaluated for speech therapy. She had a reflux before it was reflux. They didn't call it reflux then. They were just like, oh, some babies puke a lot. <laughs> so it made perfect sense. And I told my sister, I said, we have to find someone that will grow her jaws. I can't pull her teeth out. The number of natural teeth you have is directly related to your quality of life long-term and high morbidity. Mm. She's like, I can't, I can't pull your teeth out. Well, thank goodness you at least had that information. Like you at least knew, right? You had that hygienist background, like you knew about teeth because so many parents are like, okay, whatever will make my child healthy. And they think that's the only way they do that. And we know we don't want to shrink the jaw. We want to grow the jaw. Right. I want her to have all of her teeth. Like, Dental hygiene 101, you know? So then my significant other and I had another baby and the baby was born. My sister told me what to do. She already arranged for cranial sacral therapy like immediately after birth, the day we got home from the hospital, she came to the house. Um, On day four, we packed him up and Drove to Albany and had him released and we came home and we did more cranial sacral therapy. And I thought everything was great. It was terrible. Oh no. (laughs) But I didn't know, you know, just like living with symptoms of tides, you don't know until you realize, oh, it's not supposed to be that way. Mm -hmm. So we got him straightened out. He was at breast. And we jumped right on the orthodontics for my daughter. We drove, I found somebody out of state, 
And that's what we ended up going with because like there's someone a couple hours from us, but I couldn't afford the way she wanted to do the fee schedule. So we ended up going out of state and we, when the baby was two months old, we got her impressions done and you know, we're on our way. She got ALF, the baby was at breast, we were making progress. Mm-hmm. And then he developed torticollis at eight weeks old. I took a picture and sent it to my sister and I was like, that's not right. What's that? <laughs> Ted was like, he was yeah. super like severe torticollis. Mm. And no signs of it prior to that point? Or do you feel like it was maybe minimal and kind of just progressively was getting worse? No, nah, his birth was pretty traumatic. Okay. And his head was very coned when he was born. And they all said, you know, it's fine. It'll straighten out. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it did straighten out because we released him immediately. Yeah. And he was able to feed at breast. But it didn't really, I mean, I didn't know. I thought he was fine. Yeah. My other baby was tied too. So they were both difficult. Yeah. Um. So well, like, I think back to like mine, right? Like I had no idea Lily was tied when she was that young when yeah. she was and we pushed through breastfeeding and she was able to feed, but it was painful for me, but she definitely had a side preference, right? Like, and I didn't know, right. I had no clue. I had no clue that I was like looking for that, but I knew that like whenever I pumped, I pumped more on one side than the other. I oftentimes would like pump on one side while feeding her on the other side. And mm-hmm. you know, that was just like, that was our routine literally around the clock. So it was one of those things where like, was it there? Oh, I'm sure it was there. Can I say for sure? No, because I didn't look for it because I didn't know. To right. Work, right. I mean, or I don't know. Yeah. His head was super misshapen and it was a really long and traumatic birth, but I didn't, I didn't know. Like we were just surviving. Yeah. yeah. I was doing, I did what my sister told me. You were like, we've, we've got him feeding. That's the goal. <laughs> right. I mean, I was being a good sister. My sister told me what to do. And I said, yes, I will do exactly <laughs> what you tell me to do. Cause you know, these things better than I do. Amazing. So we did it. And you know, there were symptoms. He was like lifting his whole head at birth. Um, he rolled over like five weeks old, you know, it was very stiff. Lots of compensating that I didn't know was compensating. You know, couldn't lie on his back. He hated the car seat. He screamed, screamed. The whole way home from the hospital, it was oh, terrible. Wow. wow. Yeah. So, but I didn't know. And, you know, most of the people that I know didn't know either. They didn't breastfeed either. You know, my mom breastfed us until we were three months old and she lost her supply. Because you were tied. <laughs> right. Exactly. He yeah, was twins. Yeah. Twins, we couldn't effectively keep up a kind, any kind of supply. You know, and they told her it was because she was exhausted, which I'm sure she was, but supply and demand. Right. So, um, so I, sh- you know, I showed my sister the picture of his torticollis and she was like, oh yeah, no, that's, you need to get him to PT. That's not okay. So I called the local PT place. I called the cranial sacral therapist because I got mastitis at the same time that he started to have this torticollis. And she said, oh, I, you know, I called the cranial sacral therapist. She said, yep, I treat torticollis too. Like, why don't you come on in? We went to the pediatrician and I said, I already made an appointment with these people and I need you to put in some orders for physical therapy because we're going on this day. So we went and did that. We did a bunch of cranial sacral therapy and he was always on his tummy. It was like tummy time 24 seven because he couldn't lay on his back. He was in the carrier. 
Um, so he got cleared from PT and cranial sacral therapy in like a month and a half. They're like, that's miraculous. This is amazing. He's doing so well. You're, you're good to go. Like, and we just went home and we compensated and we compensated. You know, he could only feed sideline. We were like chained to the bed until he self-weaned at 13 months old. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know. I was exhausted. I had no idea. My daughter has her ALF and she's doing fantastic. Thank goodness. Like that thing was a miracle, you know, sleeping all night long. She stopped having all the restless sleep. Her attitude was great. Her face just started growing so fast. She responded so well to it. Awesome. But what we didn't do was the cranial osteopathy that we were supposed to do. I said, oh, well, I can't really afford both of them. So we did myofunctional therapy instead of the osteopathy. Fortunately, now, in hindsight, it was a very gentle appliance that she was in while we were not doing what we were supposed to do. Um, But also, if we had been, it would have saved us a lot of time and heartache and money because I would have gotten my son treated by the osteopath because she would have said, hey, no, oh, I should treat that. You should see me for that. Yeah. So then he, 13 months old, he's self-weaned, which I was exhausted. So I was like, fine, you're done, I'm done. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Let's just move forward with our lives because I'm tired. And he just, he was doing really well. You know, he was advanced. He started walking when he was 10 months old. He didn't really crawl. Everybody told me that was fine. Sounds like a combination of my two kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This was Mia. So Mia walked before she crawled. We took her to one osteopath appointment, actually craniosacral one week, osteo the next week. It was the first time she'd gone. She'd been in PT for like eight months on and off. Um, for not torticollis, but torticollis-like symptoms. That's what right. told me, and I'm like, just call it what it is, people. I mean, come on. She's yeah. got a neck preference. She's tight on one side. Um, and then just, I was like, this is not working. Like, we are trying to force muscles to move in ways that, that they can't. I'm watching them, like, force her knee down and try to get her to crawl up a step, and let's have her, you know, wall sit at 11 months for, like, all these things. And I'm like, she doesn't want to do these things. They don't look comfortable. It's re- she's, there's, there's resistance for a reason, right? And right. then I, I talked to um, my guy who is a PT, but he does like manual counter strain, like he calls it modern counter strain technique. Yeah. Very different than the traditional kind a lot of people know. And I also spoke with Brian Tucky, who's been on the podcast. And he, I remember him saying like, and I don't know if we recorded this or if it was in our conversation afterwards. But he was like, no, you never stretch against a tight muscle. You always go with the tight muscle. And I was like, well, that's why all of a sudden we went to CST. Then we went to, like a week later, we go to osteopath, both osteopathic doctors as a husband and wife team. They're like, she's very healthy. Everything looks great. They did their thing. And mm-hmm. literally a couple of days later, she gets up and she like, she walks. And yep. then the next week she crawled and I almost like my, you had to pick my job off the ground. My husband was like, well, she's already walking. Why does it matter if she crawls? And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, you're really important. Like, this is so important. Like everything's really important. Integrating. Everything's integrating now. Well, if you, if you can't crawl and you can't keep your head up, you can't swallow very well either. Mm-hmm. You're not breathing well either. Yeah. So 
you know, I, he's off weaned and I was like, okay, phew, you know, we're going to move on. Everything's going to be okay. He's going to start sleeping through the night. I'll be able to be more productive and oh man, that's not what happened at all. <laughs> he just, he immediately started like regressing, you know, his head became all misshapen again, very long and combed. He couldn't lift his head up anymore. He stopped climbing up on the couch. He had a couple of words. He lost the few words that he had. Wow. I took him to the pediatrician and she, you know, she just mom shamed me because she didn't have any real answers for me. She just said, oh, well, you know, boys don't talk till they're two. I said he was falling down all the time. I couldn't keep him safe. You know, his balance was terrible. She was like, oh, you know, you should really watch him better. Really? That was her answer? That was her answer. (laughs) And I just, I was done. I said, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to ask you for any more help because this isn't working. Like, I need help. Right. Yeah, I need help now. This helps me, makes me feel like a horrible parent when I'm like literally busting my butt to try and get my child the help that they need. Like, thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, I just like, I'll, I can't. Okay, I'm done. I'm not going to ask you. You're not the person to ask. I know better. I've been down this road. You don't have the answers that I need. So I just started asking everyone. And I really like, I wasn't in the Facebook groups and stuff when he, I didn't even know there were tongue-tied groups. Like I had no idea about any of these things. My sister knew. She told me what to do. I did what she told me to do. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, because it would have been a lot worse if I hadn't done what she had told me to do. So I just started asking everyone. I started asking in the groups online that I had found and I didn't really get anywhere. They said, you know, you need to call early intervention if he's having trouble in speech. And I said, there's like a list and I don't want to wait on a list. I need help now. Can I talk to somebody private? Not where I am. It's pretty like rural here. There's not a lot of private services around. It's basically just through the county. You know, there's like, I don't know, less than 8,000 people in my town. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot to go around. I didn't want to go back to the place that we had done physical therapy with. I had asked them, you know, do you know about tongue ties? No. Do you know about cranial sacral therapy? No. Well, why does he have torticollis? Well, it's a tight muscle. Right. And then when he was released, they were like, well, sometimes it comes back. I was like, well, why does it come back? We don't know. What do you mean you don't know? That doesn't sound like you get a lot of resolve if you don't know. Right. Like, let's treat so, it as a problem, not just slap a Band-Aid on it. Let's figure out why this is happening, people. Right. Exactly. But I need to know why it comes back. Like, there's a reason for all of these things. So I, online, I just wasn't getting the answers I was looking for. It's like, this doesn't work. These, we've done all these things. I've been through all these things with my other kid. We already were like around these areas of treatment with him in the beginning. That's not what we need. I know that's not what he needs. Some people are like, take him to a neurologist. And I'm like, he doesn't have a brain tumor. <clears throat> he was talking and now he's not talking. Like something else is going on. We don't need a neurologist. They just do drugs and surgery and he's a baby. Right. And seedlings 
don't need surgery and drugs. They have everything contained within them that they need to develop. Right. You're like, there's also these other unresolved things that I think are related that I think right. we should rule out first, maybe. Right. Like, <laughs> Let's not go dramatic here. Yeah. So, and even my sister, who's like my biggest supporter, was kind of like, you're being really hypervigilant. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Something's really wrong. Like, I'm not. Something's bad. It's not okay. I ended up asking our myofunctional therapist. I don't know why. I never had talked to her about it. I had never talked to our airway-centric dentist about it. Mm. you know, right around the time he had torticollis, we, he came with us to Connecticut to do the impressions and he screamed in the car the whole way there. I didn't bring him inside. Should have brought him inside, man. (laughs) And I didn't. So, but I asked the myofunctional therapist, I sent her a picture of him eating and she's like, Oh, he's got posterior crossbite, really low oral tone. You need to get him to a chiropractor right away with a Thai savvy chiropractor right away. And I said, okay, you know, I reached out to a friend who's local and said, find me, I need the best, most Thai savvy pediatric chiropractor you've ever met. I don't care if they take insurance. I don't care if I have to drive two hours, get me a name of somebody good. I need it now. And she was like, okay. And she did. And then right after that, we, I had convinced my best friend to take her 10 or 11 year old then to the airway dentist near us that I couldn't afford. And we went for an evaluation and I asked her because she was listening to me. I said, you know, my son had torticollis, he was tongue tied, he's having all this trouble, he's like losing some things. Like I had no idea what was going on. I just knew it was really bad. And she, her eyes like bulged out of her head and she got me a card and was like, you have to call this cranial osteopath. You have to call them right now. Do it as soon as you walk out of my office. Don't wait even one more minute. The minute you leave, you call her. She's really good with babies. And I said, okay. And I did. I called both of them. Set up both the appointments. The osteopath booked a few weeks out. The chiropractor could see us right away. And I was like, I'm going to do everything. Because anything that makes sense is what I'm going to do. So we went to the chiropractor for his evaluation on a Friday. And she was super concerned. And I, I walked into the door of their office and I'm in the waiting room and I'm looking around and there's this huge poster that's got like a baby with torticollis, baby with plagiocephaly, baby arching backwards, you know, all these signs of neural tension and neural dysfunction. I was just like, man, really? Because I asked, I asked everyone, you know, torticollis, stiff neck, should we go see a chiropractor? They're like, no, it'll be okay. So I was like, oh, all right. Yep. There's all the signs. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she was really concerned. She was like, you need to bring him back on Tuesday. Come at this time. Like, don't miss, you need to come right back. And I was like, whatever you say, whatever money you want, I'm going to, I will be here. We're going to do it. And You know, I got him out of bed that next Tuesday morning when he was supposed to go for his first chiropractic adjustment and he was just, he was just gone, completely regressed, screaming, Mm -hmm. crying, like banging his head on the floor and the walls and he couldn't swallow, he couldn't speak, he couldn't do anything. 
Mm. He wasn't present at all in his own body. And I just put him in a baby carrier and I walked him around town all day until it was time to go to the chiropractor. And we got there and I was losing my mind. And I walked in and was just like, please, you know, help me. And she did, she adjusted him and there he is. He came back. Yeah, right back. Hey, it's right there. Like he's not well, you know, he's still having problems, but that was it. It was just, she adjusted his occipitals. And as soon as she took that pressure off his skull base and his brainstem, he just came right back. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. And we were really lucky because that you can't withstand that kind of dysfunction for very long. Like we were so lucky that it was that day that I had already made the appointments. We were already going, we'd already had the evaluation. Yeah. And then she was just amazing. Like she, she knew how bad it was and she was like, just call me. Like you need to come every day. She saw us on the weekends. She saw us on her days off. Just, we're just like inching him along the whole time because we would go home and he would fall again. No matter what I did, he was always falling. His balance coordination was terrible. So finally, two weeks, two and a half weeks later, we went to the cranial osteopath for the first time. And I love our chiropractor, but even she was like, don't go to osteopath. Mm. None of them do what they say they do. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go to this one. We're going to go. Like, I appreciate your concern. But I feel like this is what I need to do. And we went and I told her about his traumatic birth and his tongue tie and his torticollis and, you know, just all the things, the compensations. And she put her hands on his head and she looks at me and she goes, your son's phenoid occipital basilar symphysis is not in contact on the left side of his cranium from his birth. His skull base was open since he was born. Wow. Mm-hmm. And the disruption was causing brain damage mm-hmm. and intracranial hypertension. Wow. She said it's lymph and breathing. He can't breathe and his lymph isn't moving. Everything is stagnant. His brain is just like swimming in toxic fluid. Yep. So... You know, the crying in the car cleared up right away. Like after the first appointment, he had tears for the first time in his life. And I was like, oh, I'm a terrible mother. I didn't even realize he didn't have tears. Like what's wrong with me? I'm not a terrible mother. You're trying to survive and figure out who can help your child. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like we're doing so much compensating that we're just completely, I was completely oblivious to all these things. I couldn't see past what was right in front of me. Right. Well, I couldn't even see what was right in front of me. Fight and flight as well. I mean, it's like, you're basically living for your child, trying to figure out who can help him, who can maximize function, who can get us out of dysfunction. And yeah, it's amazing the things people ask you and you're like, I have no clue because Mm -hmm. you're focused on this, right? Yeah. I don't have time to focus on that. I didn't even know I should be focused on that. Exactly. Apparently, I don't know very much about humans that I thought I did. (laughs) (laughs) You forget everything when you have a child, even if you're like a childbirth expert. You do. You just forget everything goes out the door. (laughs) Yeah, it does. 
Goodness. But that's incredible that she was the first person who was able, who one, put her hands on his head and was able to even notice that, you know, like you would. Right. And she said, she's like, oh no, that's from birth. You don't get that because he was falling all the time. And she said, no, that's not the only time that those tissues are physiologically like soft enough to move that way is during birth. Mm. She's like, no, that's not, that's from birth. You didn't do that. It's not your fault because he fell. Like, so, and the, you know, just everything changed. He started, he was improving, you know, he had improvement in a bunch of areas. He didn't wake up and scream and bounce in his crib at night. He got a little bit of speech back. Wow. Yeah. He was able to eat. You know, he started chewing better. He wasn't doing great. He was still choking. But he still was like waking up at night sweaty Mm. and just in a panic. I don't know. I immediately, I went to our chiropractor and I said, okay, so these things, all these things have cleared up, but there are still these things. Something else is wrong. It's not just this trauma. There's something else going on. I know that there has to be. I said, I'm going to take him to the airway-centric dentist. It's a five-hour drive. I don't care. I'm going to take him because I need him to look at him. So we had gone for my daughter's adjustment, and I had told him about the torticollis, and he had said the same thing. He said, you know, you have to get him to an osteopath. I said, I'm going to. He said, if you can't find one, you need to bring him to mine. I was like, okay, but we're going. We have an appointment. Um. I said, we're seeing a chiropractor. He said, don't. No, you have to see an osteopath. And I said, okay, we're going to. We went back for her adjustment. I told him about the osteopath. And, you know, I told him about the symptoms he still had. And I was just kind of like, I want to bring him to you. He tried to advise me so that I wouldn't have to, you know, spend the money or travel that far. And I just said, no, no. We went home and I turned right back around a couple of days later and took him and he's in the chair. He looks at him for like a minute and a half, kids screaming. He goes, pretty sure he has laryngomalacia. Oh my gosh. And nobody's picked up on this either yet. No one. No one. Not me. Both my kids were noisy feeders. Like I didn't know. And it was subtle. He wasn't turning blue. You know, some of these kids with laryngomalacia are turning blue all the time and they have all these respiratory infections. But we just, I just really, I'm a, I'm an awesome compensator. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, to be able to feed a baby, a breastfeed a baby for 13 months with laryngomalacia and to, like, with all the, I mean. Like, and all kinds of trauma. And I'm just like. I treated these kids. I mean, it's hard enough to get them to take liquid from any format by anybody for any certain amount of time for any MLs. I mean, it's not easy to feed these Right. Kids. And we didn't have, like, he gained weight fine. He had all, he was advanced in his milestones. Like, they're like, great job, mom. He's doing good. Nothing to worry about. Holy cow. Yeah. And he's like, you have to take him to an ENT. And I said, I don't, a tie savvy ENT. And I said, I don't know. I don't know any tie savvy ENTs. It's a joke, right? You're choking? That's not a thing. (laughs) Like there's all there's only like a, a handful of them in the entire United States. Where who do you want yeah. to I was like, I don't even know any. I've never even heard of an airway centric ENT. I don't even know what that is. 
and he gave me a card for one in New York City. And he's like, you're going to have to go to this guy. I said, okay, I'll go. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. Mm -hmm. I went home and I called. They got us in a couple of weeks from a cancellation. And we went down and he scoped him and he said, well, you know, you can't see the laryngomalacia. If it's the epiglottis, you can't see it on a scope because they're crying and it, when they're excited, the tissues are excited. They don't flop in. But he said, I believe you. Let's do a sleep study. We'll do a swallow study. You can do them at home, like near your places. Take these orders, go get it done. So I did, and you know, we're still doing body work the whole time. We're seeing the chiropractor three days a week. We're seeing the cranial osteopath every week and a half, um, which I ended up, I was just like, he needs more. I know you guys, because a lot of times cranial osteopaths don't treat babies frequently enough yeah, for every couple of weeks or every three weeks. And right. Don't do any other treatment in between is like usually what, like that's right. what with me. Yeah, they're like, stop PT, don't do anything for three weeks and then call us back. And I was like, okay. Right, but these kids are feeding like 12 times a day, you know, every 10 days, it's 120 times and they're compensating to eat and to breathe and to survive way more than we're compensating to do it. So I just said, no, we need more treatment. And she, you know, she thought about it. They always think about it. The, she's very reserved. She was <laughs> just kind of like, and then we went back and she was like, okay, yes, we'll do it every week. So, you know, we went for the sleep study and his AHI was one and a half. We went for the swallow study and I don't really know that that was necessary. I probably could have saved him the radiation from that because I could hear him aspirate what we saw, you know. And I was looking at the x-rays with the speech language pathologist. And I was like, oh, look, you know, the back of his tongue's not going up. I know he's got reattachment. The cranial sacral therapist had said he had reattachment. And we just decided to leave it. I was like, I'm not going to do anything. Like, he's feeding. I'm not going to cut him again. We're just going to leave it. And we'll deal with it later. Because my other kid survived with a tongue tie, you know, eight years longer than this kid did. And she was okay. It's just like, that's not my, I'm not going to worry about it. So there was some aspiration on thin liquids. We heard back from the ENT and he goes, yeah, you know, I think with how many arousals he had, because he had very frequent arousals, his AHI was one and a half. You know, any of those breathing disruptions in a pediatric sleep study is considered pathologic. Yeah. So he was just like, yep, schedule the surgery. We're going to do it. He got us in surgery. I think it was like four months after we did the tests. We went for surgery and he came out of surgery and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant, but it had to be done because and he couldn't breathe. For, this was for the learning of Malaysia? Yeah, he had, um, they called it every time. So all, my daughter, my son, and I have all had this surgery. And every time we, one of us has it, it's called something different. Mm. They called it laryngoplasty with his. Mm -hmm. uh, he removed a good portion of the epiglottis. And he came out during the surgery and showed it to us. And it was the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. Like suffocating on your own body. Aww. Yeah, it was bad. 
was bad. So I'm glad. And I had taken him to the pediatrician to sign off on his physical form. And she was really upset with me. She was like, well, why are you going to this doctor? You shouldn't go there. You should go to this person. I was like, mm, they don't know anything about tongue ties. I don't want to go there. I'm not going to go there. Why is she deciding where you go? <laughs> She's not. <laughs> oh, well, why does she think that's her job? I don't I know. know. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, when yeah. we went to Albany, she was like, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. The ENT can do it, but you know, you can go if you want to. And I was like, well, I'm going to do what I want to. Cause... Really thank you for your opinion. I did not yeah, appreciate but... it, but I didn't really ask you. I just said that we're going to do it. So you could put it in this medical chart. Right. You're like, so far you've given me this much helpful advice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. choose my own people. Thank you very much. Well, she goes, why didn't you come to me when he was having all these problems? What? 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 Well, no. <laughs> really? Wait, no, wait, I wait, come to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, she had a PA with her when we had gone back to get, she had like someone observing. So she was pretty calm and collected. She called me from her home phone number two days later in the evening and was just like, What? what are you doing? Don't you know that kids that have this surgery can't swallow? They have terrible problems afterwards. She's like, why didn't you come to me? I said, you blew me off. She's like, no, I didn't. Yes, you definitely did. No, you definitely did. Yeah. Well, I don't think I could be your doctor. <gasps> oh, now well, she they're going for surgery on Tuesday. And I expect that with everything, if I were to need something after the surgery, that you would be there for me, considering our surgeon is five and a half hours away. So we're still there. She's stuck with us. <laughs> Do you have a lot of options in your area or not? Too no. Much? No, it's a small town, right? There's two pediatricians in the whole town. Oh and now, like, any pediatrician that I got try to go to is going to be like, I don't want to deal with you. Like, mm -hmm. no, this file, uh, uh, I don't want anything to do with this. <laughs> you know, they didn't want easy. Yeah. They don't want complex kids. Yeah. We have a lot of options where I'm at. So that's like, good. I mean, like I could bop around if I needed to, but if you're in a rural, rural area, like right. that's not an option. Like, I mean, I tried to find other pediatricians. I called private pediatricians and they were like, you live too far away for me to be comfortable overseeing your child's care. Hmm. I was like, mm, I mean, okay. it's a valid statement yeah, I mean, at the same time it's like okay well i guess we're stuck with the current one right i was just like well i guess i'm just gonna be the general practitioner for everything right <laughs> mom case manager gp i'm the team <laughs> leader the man. i piecemealed it all together and i'm leading the way oh my goodness yep so she didn't want me to have the surgery we went through with it it was the best decision i ever could have made i had never never in my life heard breathing that was so fluid mm. no pausing just in and out i could still hear it just not supposed to be able to hear it but it was not clearly obstructed mm -hmm. so and at, right after surgery within 48 hours of surgery i took him to the cranial osteopath and she, you know, did her magic voodoo things and his whole head got wider. Wow. The entire head expanded. And he just, he really started improving, gaining back his milestones. And we're just, we just keep inching him along, just carrying him along. And we're 
you know, going outside as much as we can, doing crawling at home. I did all the diet stuff, gluten-free, casein-free, soy. I forced him to eat hard food. Like, I starved him out because I know some kids, like, I know some kids are happy to starve, but my kids are not happy to starve. They're not going to tolerate that. They want to eat. So it took a few days. And it wasn't pleasant for everyone, but he started chewing and started using his mouth like he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And it made a big improvement in his feeding and just his breathing and his general, his general, like overall motor skills, just everything. Yeah. So it was worth it. And well, it sounds like for him, you almost had a pattern interrupt, right? It had to be like some big disrupting event where like, you know, your child, you weren't actually going to starve him, but you were like, I'm yeah. not going to let you continue to eat these soft, mushy things that you had to eat before because you couldn't physically eat right. them. Now, you, now, now you have the abilities and like, I know you can do it. So let's like totally pattern disrupt here and we're just going to wait you out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to wait you out. I know you can do it. I showed your nervous system that you can do it and now you're going to do it. I'm going to make you. Right. right. But you had all the supports in place too. So right. that's, that's I did. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we did, uh, we did gut healing, bone broths and whole foods and just, and I'm like going to local farmers and being like, oh, I need to buy some chicken parts so I can make bone broth at home. And I'm going to the farmer's market at 5 a.m. to get all the whole foods as fresh and organic as I can. So we just did everything. I did everything I could think of doing. I put him back on, oh, when he was first started regressing, I put him back on breast milk. I got donations. I went into one of those Facebook groups that my sister had told me about. So I was like, well, he stopped breastfeeding. And this is when these things started happening. So at least I can do this. I know there's stem cells in that. I got breast milk donations. Um, so he had his laryngomalacia surgery and he was doing really well for a while. And then he wasn't sleeping again. Mm. Started having trouble again. We did another sleep study. His AHI was still over one. We decided to release him again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I talked to the chiropractor about it. I talked to the osteopath about it. I really like depending on my body workers to decide when to do surgery, mm-hmm. soft tissue surgery. Yeah. Because, you know, those people are the people that clean up the mess. Right. Now they'll know if he's best prepared for it, if it's an optimal time for him. Exactly. If his system can handle it, if it can't handle it. And it was just, we, we had to, you know, he was not breathing to the point where he was standing up in bed in the middle of the night, Um, not breathing at all. And then he would scream when he started breathing. It was, it wasn't good. And I was like, I'm not going back. Yeah. So we, ended up, we did end up sedating him. Mm-hmm. And when I was, we hired a private anesthesiologist to do the sedation in office. How old was he? called me. What's that? How old was he when you did the second release? He was two and a half when we did the second release. That's a fun he's age. Three and a half now. <laughs> he's three and a half now, you said? Yeah, he's three okay. and a half now. Okay. So he's two and a half. And the anesthesiologist called me and he took a full, you know, patient history about his birth and all the things. And he was like, laryngomalacia? I said, yeah. He goes, oh, was he intubated at birth? And I said, no, he was not intubated at birth. 
And he goes, well, then he inherited it because you only get laryngomalacia from trauma or because you inherited it. And I was like, oh. So as soon as my daughter's ALF came out, all of her sleep apnea symptoms came back. Hmm. I was like, oh, okay. Like, okay, so we've, we've grown the jaws and your, your airway should be nice and wide now. <laughs> but it's not. Oh, You're no. still not breathing in your sleep. Yep. Hmm. So we did his release. And, you know, it was the dentist that we went to works closely with a cranial osteopath. And that's why I chose to go there because I wanted someone that really understood the cranial structure and was going to be very careful because he had so much instability in his skull base. And I know, you know, that your tongue inserts into your skull base and your upper lip and buckles go into your C1, you know, and your mandible supports the cranial base. So I wanted to make sure that who we went to really understood the mechanics and the balance of these systems. Yeah. And I thought he was just going to do his tongue and that really wasn't what he did. He did, you know, the whole dental arch pretty much. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I trust you. That's what you did. We're going with it. I took him home. I took him to the osteopath. She put her hands on his head and she's like, oh my God, this is the best release I've ever felt. Like, this is amazing. It's perfect. His sphenoid basilar occipital symphysis has never moved so freely or been so balanced. This is crazy, insane, and amazing. He balanced my son's cranium with this release. Mm. And he, you know, he had been speaking, but it was pretty much like apraxia. He couldn't really say anything. He couldn't form words. He was trying. He would get exhausted. You know, he just, his body wouldn't do what he was trying to tell it to do. And within the six motor weeks, coordination was definitely off. And he, oh yeah, it was bad. You know, just everything was really restricted. Yeah. And within six weeks of his release, he was speaking full sentences clearly. Isn't that fascinating? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not his tongue. The right. tongue was like insignificant. The yeah. first dentist we saw did a really good job with his tongue. Yeah. But you did also re-release the tongue this time too? Yeah, they. I mean, he did because he was under and he put right. stitches in. And I kind of, and it's reattached because I didn't stretch it well enough and he had stitches in and I was more concerned about keeping the rest of the yeah. stuff. Yeah. So well, probably one day, but I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket for when I need some kind of out, easy out because he's doing great. Doing great, yeah. But a lot of people don't understand that when you combine a release with cranial osteopathy and skilled hard tissue and soft tissue manipulation, it gives you the opportunity to set a new baseline for the fascial memory and the nervous system itself. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't, they don't know that. They don't understand that. The practitioners doing the releases don't understand it, you know, the unless you've done it, you really don't, unless you've seen it firsthand, you really don't know. Well, and everyone says to me, well, what, what does the osteopath do? Or what does the cranial sacral therapist do? Or what does this person do? And I'm like, cause they're like, I've, I've gone or I've been myself. And I'm like, I just know they like 
put their hands on me and I'm not really sure what they're doing. And, you know, and so I'm like, well, I can't do this justice. Like I could explain to you very basically because I've had it done to me. I've taken my children. I've had patients go through it. I'm like, you just have to go and experience it for yourself because right. you're not going to understand until you experience the health benefits that come from it. Like, and that's not something I can explain to you because we don't really know what's going to change for you that you don't realize is a compensation that you currently have until it's no longer a compensation. And right. you're so much better and you're it's unwinding better and you're like I'm a new person it mm -hmm. exactly it unwinds you and so my um my PT that I go to who does the the manual um the manual counter stream but yeah like, Brian Tucky's I love that podcast I send it to people all the time I'm like so you need yeah, so my guy Manny Kim is like works with like they they do stuff together um they're both local and um, and Manny, I'm like, I, I never had any idea that I had so many compensations until I went to him. I had been to plenty of chiropractors. I had been to plenty of PTs. I had been to all kinds of practitioners to help me with all these different things. And I'm not, I'm like, he barely touched me, my first mm -hmm. appointment. And I left feeling like I had a full body massage and like, I was a new person and I slept so well that night. And like, and I was already a good sleeper. So like, but I'm like, it was just, it was life changing. Like, I'm like, and I don't know how to explain that to somebody else without them going and having that type of experience. And I feel like the cranial osteopathy is the exact same thing. Yeah. Because, you know, everyone's like, but they're not really doing anything. I'm like, oh, they are. Oh, they, oh, they are. are. <laughs> you can't, that's a thing. Like, it's energetic. It has to do with like, you know, systems functioning properly and the fluids flowing and everything, you know, but yeah. Well, you have to come at it because connective tissue is, it's supposed to get rigid when there's trauma, when there's force, it protects your body systems. So osteopathy takes the opposite approach where yeah. they unwind it with gentle forces. Mm -hmm. And it's very gentle. I mean, I've been so I've been to a few osteopaths and the neuromuscular ones tend to use like bigger limb movements and stuff, but the really skilled ones, they just move around you like a fairy on the table. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's the, so the, and we don't have too many here, obviously I feel like right. we're I mean, any in general, yeah. um, but the husband wife team that we do have here very close to me are phenomenal. And there, that's exactly what you said. Like, it feels like they're barely touching you. And I yep. think that's also why people are like, well, they didn't do anything. Why am I paying them all this money? I'm like, oh, you don't know. You don't know. Right. They did a lot. <laughs> well, and also, like, if you're still tied, you're not going to get far with it. And you may right. even cause yourself harm trying yeah. to unwind without like yeah. being prepared to do a release. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. That's and that's why I, I love, like, I love them. I love Manny him, the PT, his whole, I think his is like called like unlockyourbody.com is like his like website or something. And I'm like, that's so genius because, um, I'm like, that's exactly what you're doing. But he also works from a very holistic standpoint where like, you can, you can come to me, you can go do this, you can go do that. But if you're not doing the right things for you to truly, you're just going to have to keep coming back, right? You're just, you're not going to sustain it. It's not sustainable. And that's where I feel like, you know, a lot of chiropractors or PTs, or, you know, they might be in this space, but I have a hard time sending my families because what I find is like, if they're not doing the right recipe, right. For their individual treatment plan, and they're not doing all the things they need to be doing so that the, the treatment actually holds, then they're constantly going back and they're like, why do I have to keep going back? Well, we're missing something here. Something else right. needs to change. That might be a posterior tongue tie release. That might be growing your jaws. That might be looking at your airway a bit closer. Like we, and so that's where it's like, where could be all the above? I mean, right. yeah. 
Yeah. You know? I mean, you might have a gas leak in your house that you don't know about right. too, because right. anything that like deprives yeah. you of oxygen is going to have these symptoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, you just have to keep peeling back the layers. And a lot of these practitioners, they don't look at these kids and say, you know, this person, this human being is neurologically and structurally underdeveloped. They say, oh, this person is a sum of their systems. I'm going to treat them that way. But that's not how you treat a whole person. Yeah. Whoever you're working with, like, they have to know that these children are underdeveloped. Yeah. They have to know that the adults are under, we're underdeveloped. Like we, your brain is what develops your face. And if your face is underdeveloped when you're born, that's a symptom that your neurology is underdeveloped because all the cranial nerves is what forms your head and neck, yeah. which I learned in dental hygiene school. Thanks, <laughs> dental hygiene school. Hey, you know, it was good for something, right? <laughs> I know, right? Thank goodness. I learned a lot. Didn't know when I would use it, but here I am. Goodness. So both, so are, are both of your kids now like doing okay? Where, you know, it's oh. like they're doing amazing. So we did the release. And then um, when his second molars came in, we took impressions for appliance. He's got an, he got an upper and lower bio block appliance this spring. You know, and we're still doing the body work and the diet and all these things. And he just keeps making progress and we're inching him along. As soon as the mandibular appliance went in, his whole cranium unlocked. We mm -hmm. dropped from osteopathy once a week or every week yeah to once a month awesome within a matter of like a month and a half awesome. there was a little glitch like when it first went in i don't know if i turned it too much or something but his he was like all messed up one day mm. having all sorts of symptoms of regression and i called ever i called all my practitioners i was like i need a team meeting we gotta like figure out what's going on. We have to reassess. I got to go and meet with the chiropractor and the osteopath. And I called the dentist and I'm calling the ENT and I'm calling the myofunctional therapist. I'm like, I need everybody right now, but it was okay. You know, it worked itself out. And since then he's just like golden, you know, and he's, he's still doing around. well at three and a half with a bio block. Yeah. Upper yeah. and lower bio block in the bottom. How old was he when you put it in? He was, he got it. Um, he was like three in a few months, you know, his birthday's in November and he got the upper right before COVID hit. Okay. Like the week before they shut everything down, we went and got the upper <laughs> Yeah. and the lower wouldn't stay in. Mm. And my daughter also went into Aga then. So if we had to wait a few months before we got the lower end and then he was like taking it out with his tongue and our dentist is like, just leave it out. And I was like, nope. Nope. I'm just going to keep putting it back in. Yeah. And it, it just stabilized everything. Now he's doing great. We still see the chiropractor twice a week just to keep close tabs on him. But the osteopath has us cancel his weekly appointment the day before we go once a month now, you know, he's doing really good. That's awesome. Yay. Yeah. And how about you? <laughs> Since we know this is all genetic. What about you, mom? <laughs> Oh, well, so the older one, we had to get her. She was in, she was an elf and then she went into Raga. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, uh, the little one, should I get the big one to sleep study? And the dentist was like, yes. 
So we did, and sure enough, her AHI is still like 1.7. She had her tonsils and anoids out when she was five. She's been through like a year or two. She's been through two different growth appliances, and she still has an AHI of 1.7. So the ENT is like, oh, she's got it too then. I was like, yeah, okay. We When we did the surgery and he came out, showed me the same thing. Terrifying. Whole airway completely collapsed. Hmm. She woke up from her surgery and we actually ended up having to do the lingual tonsils and the turbinates and her epiglottis. Wow. Yeah. And my son's adenoids and tonsils self-resolved after we took care of his epiglottis. Amazing. So she woke up from surgery and she's like, I can breathe, mom. This is amazing. You know, she's still all woozy from the stuff. But I was like, yeah, kid. That was the point of all this. I'm so glad you recognize it. (laughs) Makes me feel a little better putting you through all of this. Yeah, exactly. I'm sorry you had to have surgery twice and your brother got away with only having it once. Right. My gosh, but that's amazing that, you know, at such a young age, she recognized immediately like how well she could breathe. It was a big deal, you know, she knew. And we had taken um, the youngest back for another drug-induced sleep endoscopy when we did her surgery, which took both the kids in New York City. And they took Boone in first and they brought him right out. They're like, nope, he doesn't have it. He's done. We're bringing him out of sedation. It was just sedation. And he goes, but he's got central sleep apnea because his airway is still collapsing, but when he exhales, not when he inhales. Mm. So it was collapsing when he was inhaling and when he was exhaling before he had the surgery originally. So we're still dealing with central sleep apnea from his brain damage. And, but she, so Lion was finally breathing great. She was really doing really good. She went into Aga. The little one went into BioBlock. COVID hit. I, my TMJ just gave out. I, <laughs> I like my kids were finally okay. And my body was just like, nope. You know what happens? As soon as you can take a deep breath because your kids are fine, it's all of a sudden like your body's like, okay, well now we can send you into, you know, yeah. fight or flight because you've been just holding on by a string. Yeah. Focus on you. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I, and I knew I had the epiglottis obstruction yeah. um, because it's genetic and it came from somewhere. And I had gotten myself and my significant other a sleep study as well. Our poor ENT, we got there for some of our first original appointments. And I was like, so here's the insurance card for this person. How about we see them too? We're going to add this family member. And then the next appointment, I was like, okay, can you scope this one while you're doing the one I had the appointment for? It's hard to get into. Yeah. Yeah, no. So everybody got a sleep study. I knew I had it. I had been trying to schedule surgery, but as an adult, it's a lot more difficult to get on the schedule for these surgeries. They're really a lot more concerned about their pediatric cases than they are adults that have made it this far. Yeah. So I had planned to do my epiglottis first and the hospital shut down. So I couldn't do it. And then... I was, you know, grinding my teeth really bad still. And I woke up one morning and felt like I had just rocked the whole second molar on my right mandible, like just completely out of socket. The, it felt like ham, the gums felt like hamburger. Like there was, 
it was bad. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I like tore a ligament or ripped my joint capsule or something. And, you know, I just kind of nursed it. And then I felt all this fluid like drain down my face and into my mandible. Oh gosh. And the next day I had a periodontal abscess. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw my general dentist and he, you know, he scaled it out. He goes, Oh, you have a, there's like a 10 millimeter pocket in here. You're going to lose that tooth. Like he's like, well, it's from bacteria. <laughs> I was like, it's not, but okay, that's fine. Just thanks for seeing me. Right. Thanks for cleaning my tooth out. I'm going to take the antibiotics because I have an infection in my jaw. So I'll take those, please. <laughs> you know, I would try to avoid them, but this is serious. Yeah. And you know, he said, you have a 10 millimeter pocket. We're going to, you need bone graft and gum graft and you're going to, or we're going to have to pull that tooth. And I was like, mm. well, you can't do any of those things right now. So I'm just going to take my prescription and go home with my swollen face and let it heal. And as soon as I got home, I started calling cranial osteopaths. <laughs> you're like, I need to get in now. <laughs> full periodontal charting like a year ago year and a half ago I didn't have any pockets I was like there's no way there's yeah. no way I broke 10 millimeters of bone out from underneath my tooth from grinding I had already had my eval with the airway centric dentist who was like you need to get your ties released right away immediately so a year and some odd months later here I am with a broken jaw and I'm like okay time to do something so I called up his cranial osteopath. Unfortunately, when COVID shut everything down, all the osteopaths opened up because no one was going to their appointments, but they were still working because they're physicians. Yeah. So I booked it to Connecticut and got my email and he said, well, your left ankle is completely shot from your birth trauma and your right TMJ capsule is also completely shot. And he suggested that I do, he wanted me to do prolotherapy injections, which are sugar injections, and they force this immune risk healing response, like an injury healing response without having to do the injury. So I said, yep, let's do it. I did four sessions, three or four sessions of prolotherapy, and I had already been doing myofunctional therapy forever with my kids, you know, cause we, by then we'd been in the airway orthodontics for three and a half years. Yeah. So I worked with our myofunctional therapist. I did a bunch of like functional movement training that the osteopath told me to do. And I got released June 1st and it was a deep tethered oral tissue release. Like, and I, I still think I need a little bit more, but I'm going to give my body some time. I feel a couple of strings in the floor of my mouth and I had an Eiffel Tower tongue tie. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give that a little bit of time and I feel like I need a little bit more in the posterior of my mandible, but a little bit, a little bit at a time, but I got released. I had one more session of prolotherapy injections. The osteopath guided my release, which was awesome all my tissues were balanced like right before release and at the time of release and after release and then I saw him two days later and then I went back for a set of injections Amazing. and it was like 
super stable. I went to see my son's cranial osteopath and she unlocked my whole face. It was pretty crazy. It was only a half hour appointment and she's, she's like, you might be a little sore tomorrow. And I was like, okay, no problem. Oh my God. Like my whole, this whole side of my face unlocked, my cervical spine unlocked. I was dying. It was more pain than the phrenectomy. Like really? Oh my it unwound my shoulder, my cervical spine, my cranium, like, like gears clicking into place over like three days period. And my TMJ has not moved even an inch since then. Wow. The bone that broke underneath my tooth has completely healed. I went for, I went to have it scaled just to check. And they're like, no, there's no pocket here. Nope. Not underneath the tooth, not anywhere. It's three millimeters, three millimeters, a little, maybe five millimeters at the distal corner. Like, nope, totally fine. No pocket. It's amazing how, you know, the body can heal itself when it gets the right interventions. <laughs> yeah, it is. And like, I didn't necessarily know that that was, I just trusted my instincts and went with it. And then the third week after my release, I slept on my back and I woke up in the morning and I felt like I got hit by a truck and all of my strains were back tenfold. And I called my chiropractor up and we went, she was like, what? did you do to yourself? This is terrible. I've never seen it so bad. I was like, oh, suffocated on my epiglottis all night long. Oh gosh. But the hospital had just started to reopen and I called the scheduling, the surgery clerk like every two days. And she got me on the schedule right away. And I went in August 20th. So it was released June 1st and August 20th. I went in and had my epiglottis reduced 80%. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I mean, so that was just like a matter of weeks ago. Yeah. I just had it done cool. and I feel so much better. And my release, like my release was amazing and it really, it calmed my nervous system, you know, because it was combined with the osteopathy and just the regular care but it never would have held if I hadn't taken care of my other airway obstruction. Right. Right. Well, and that's the whole idea of like everything works together when we can't treat anything in the silo. We can't just do one and expect that. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Balkan. And you can head over to theuntetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes um, where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. 